Memphis, 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 Hi, this is Tom Izzo at Michigan State, and you're listening to Grizz 901. What up, Grizz Nation? Welcome back to another episode of Grizz 901. I'm your host, Daniel Greer, and today's interview, we have Maxwell, who is a Spotify Green Room contributor. He is also the guy who does the barbershop, and he is with the Multiplicity Media Group. That's a mouthful. It's just a mouthful. (laughs) But he is Maxwell Millington. What's up, Max? Daniel, uh, happy to be here. I'm doing okay. So everybody refers to Maxwell as Max Wheezy. So if you are on Spotify Green Room, and if you're not, shame on you. But if you are, you can catch him at 10.30 Eastern? Yeah, 10.30 Eastern every every morning. Spotify Green Room, come, come hang out. Max Wheezy in the morning is his show. He also does the barbershop like I talked about. Go check it out. I'll give him, uh, let him do his spill here in a little bit. But I want to get into a little bit about the Hornets because the Grizzlies are playing them on Saturday. And so it's a good matchup, but it's also a good matchup of two young up-and-coming stars. But now, officially, two young All-Stars. How cool is that for LaMelo being an All-Star this year? It's awesome. It's awesome. Um, It's one of those things where it's like, all right, you feel, you know, based on his rookie season, you feel like, you know, this is where this guy is going to end up if he can just improve upon uh, the things he did well last year. I don't know if you felt the same way with Ja, but the great thing about or the thing that you always watch with rookies, especially rookies that play well, is uh, can they what, – what things – are repeatable from this year to next year, what things are real, what things aren't real. And so I'm sure you can relate to this feeling, but uh, for us Hornets fans, it's like, all right, cool. A lot of the things with LaMelo are legit, you know, obviously the passing, the shooting, uh, you know, some of the things that that makes him, that make him him. And so it's exciting that he's built upon that, found a larger role on the Hornets and is an all-star. I'm excited. And, and, and uh, Jara and Lamelo are playing on Team Durant together, so that should be fun to watch. Yeah, that's what <laughs> I was actually. I was googling that as you were talking because I wanted to pull up the uh, the teams because, as you know, we're going to ride with our guys. That's a hundred percent. So I'm guessing we're we're Team Durant. Is that right? Team Durant. Yeah. All right. So on <laughs> Team Durant, you have Joel Embiid, who is the first overall pick, uh, and then it was John Morant. Then you have Jason Tatum, Trey Young, Andrew Wiggins. One is not like the others. <laughs> and then you have Devin Booker, Carl uh, Anthony Towns, Zach Levine, DeJounte Murray, Chris Middleton, LaMelo Ball, Rudy Gobert. All right, what's, the, what's one thing you're looking at and looking forward to in the All-Star game? Because I have mine, but I want to hear yours. Is there something you're looking forward to, whether it's some play that LaMelo does or is it just a, a group of guys that are playing together? Like, what is it? Yeah, so – Obviously, let, let's 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 be honest. Let's put it out there. Um, Lamelo injury replacement, youngest guy on the team, probably not going to get a lot of minutes. So when he does play, what I'm actually looking for is 
you know, are they setting setting up uh, opportunities for him to go, you know, pass a lot to John Moran or, um, you know, or or feed some of the some of the uh, we Durant's team's got a lot of bigs. You got Gobert and and Cat uh, and you know Embiid obviously. So and Zach Levine, who we he's not a big, but he can you know jump out of the gym obviously. So right. I'm definitely looking for some some alley oops, some some uh, fun passes. I I'd be interested to see Lamelo and uh, Dejounte on the court together because they do a lot of things very similarly. But um, but yeah, no, it should be it should be really a really awesome game. I can't wait. Yeah. So what I'm looking forward to, and I've already thought about it. Like I'm dreaming about it at this point. Like I want to see Lamelo coming down the floor. Trey Young's already underneath the goal, and then out of nowhere, there's a lob up to John Morant, jumps over Trey Young. And dunks it. That that would be yeah. amazing. And the reason I'm inserting Trey is because he's shorter, right? I, I just want I yeah. want somebody small. I don't need Embiid there. So uh, so Jock catches part of his shoulder and then ends up dying on the floor. We don't need that to happen. We just want no. somebody small <laughs> jump over and have a lot of fun. Uh, but let's get into the Hornets that are now. They just had the trade deadline and the Grizzlies were very quiet. Not much of anything uh, and nothing at all, honestly. But they had Montres Harrell. That came over from Washington in exchange for Vernon Carey Jr. and Ish Smith. So I know a lot about Vernon Carey Jr. because I'm a Duke fan, and so I love his game. He does seem like a quiet kid. I think he will take a long time to develop. But I do think that he's a good player. But you have to give up a player such as him, who hasn't shown much of anything so far in his career, to get back a player like Montrezl Harrell. So what does Harrell actually do for your team right now? Yeah, that's a fantastic question. I'll quickly say on Kerry, he was a guy that, although you know, you and you know, you and I know, know each other, obviously, Daniel. But like for the audience, I'm a I'm a North Carolina fan, and even though that's the case, I was excited about the Hornets drafting Vernon Kerry because I watched him, you know, do do great things at Duke. Um, but ultimately, uh, he you know him he was brought in with Nick Richards. Um, you know, and really between the two of them, Nick Richards was obviously the one who was finding more time on the court. He's also, Nick Richards is also older, so it kind of makes sense. But I, I think um, I think as as Kerry continues to develop, he might be a fine player. But you're absolutely right. We get uh, the Hornets uh, bring in Harrell. I think automatically he, this, this is the great part about it, it for, for, two re, for two aspects. The first one is, uh, he allows the center rotation to be, um, you know, him and Plumley, and that moves PJ off of uh, having to be a five or guard bigs or you know be the small ball five or whatever. He can still do do that in some lineups, but right. with the flexibility you now have with Harold and Plumley, um, the great part is PJ, who's a really uh, great good defender, um, can defend wings, can defend bigs. But he fo- he can focus on defending wings. Um, you know, people some people sort of said, well, man, it's kind of a bummer the Hornets didn't address defense at the turn the line. But I think by bringing in Harrell, um, again, you're allowing PJ to be more versatile in terms of, you know, who he can he has to guard. And he doesn't automatically have to be a big. He doesn't have to play center if Mason Plumlee gets in foul trouble. So there's some flexibility there. But in terms of Harold, the player himself, obviously we were just talking about lobs. He's another guy that can, you know, catch lobs from Lamelo. 
obvious, um, well, not obviously, but <laughs> a little bit more adept offensively than Mason Plumley is. But, you know, plays really hard, really aggressive, has an edge, uh, has the familiarity going back to Louisville with, with Terry Rozier. You saw them yeah. uh, kind of posting ab- about that when, when uh, the, the trade was announced. So, you know, it's does it does it move? Does it change the ceiling? Does it move the needle? You know, that much from what the, the Hornets will probably end up being this year? Probably not. But I think it, it does add uh, flexibility on the court and. Um, one of the things that Kupchak commented on to the media today was uh, they wanted to keep some financial flexibility. And obviously it's a, a low risk, right. um, you know, move by, move by sending Carrie and Ishmith to the, to the wizards uh, and a pick to the wizards uh, for Harold. So. Yeah, yeah. It's an expiring deal, right? So it's not much of right. anything outside of, Hey, we want to see what this guy can do. Help us out this year. We're not at where you are in the uh, the standings, you're not going to fall with you to stay kind of where you were. You With what you're getting with Montrose Herald, you're going to actually address a situation and a position that really is a need for you. And it's a big guy because big men have feasted there in Charlotte and you have Mason Plumley. Okay, let's just be honest. Duke guy, okay, I understand. I know who that player is. I love him. Good player but he's not a, a, a game-changing player in a sense on a consistent basis. But, um, but right now we're currently a, a third of the way left in the season, right? We've been two-thirds in. The, the Charlotte Hornets are 28-28. They're ninth place in the standings. They're on a six-game losing streak. Tonight, we're recording this on a Friday, you're going into Detroit. That should be a win. It almost has to be a win. But what are your expectations for the rest of the season? Because I've looked at your schedule. And it's not friendly. Yeah, not not a friendly schedule. I will say this: the tough part, toughest part about this is we're going into that stretch without uh, Gordon Hayward for right. a, a unforeseen amount of time. Yeah. I'm I, I, the fans, and, and obviously, I'm hoping that he is able to to come back. I I, I think they're calling it an ankle ankle sprain. I want to say I have to go back and look, but. Um, you know, hopefully, hopefully he's able to, to to return in a hurry. But yeah, I mean, the Hornets are going to have to really um, are going to have to really, uh, you know, first of all, buckle down defensively. We've seen stretches where, you know, they can go for a week or two and be a you know a top ten, uh, top five uh, defense in terms of net, net net rating, and then you know for long stretches that goes out the window. And, you know, you, if you look at the winning streaks versus the losing streaks and um, they, they kind of have been hot or cold from that aspect. The biggest thing has been, uh, you know, when they're locking on defense, they normally are, are, are winning games. The other aspects of it where I do have some optimism though, for the remaining stretch is that this, this past month. And I'll, I'll say, even through the, the losing streak so far, uh, one thing that has been uncharacteristic is the the shooting. Uh, I, I forgot. I think I, I read a stat a few days ago that um, over the I forgot over the, the week or, or or so far in, in February over the losing streak, the Hornets have been the, the worst one of the worst teams in the NBA uh, in shooting. But we know that's not characteristic of the Hornets. You know, for most of the season they've been one of the best, if not the best shooting team in the NBA, 
number one offense, you know, things of that nature. So what I'm hoping for is looking at it again from an optimistic standpoint, I'm hoping the shooting kind of goes back, uh, you know, to the, to the mean or, or if not better, uh, you know, they're able to put together a few more stretches where they lock in and play defense and they're able to use the experience from last year uh, where they kind of struggled down the stretch to win games, to put them in a better position use that experience to, to come out and, um, and, you know, help them in some of those games. And then of course uh, my, my hope is that the Gordon Hayward comes back in a timely fashion to help us down the stretch as well. So um, it's, it, it sucks right now, but I think those are a few aspects that you look at and say, okay, maybe, maybe they can turn this thing around and make a push um, before the, the uh, play in or, or playoffs. Yeah. And that's what I was looking at the uh, actual schedule. And like I said, it's not friendly in February. You do have two games against Detroit, which is uh, their must win just because of the, uh, the players you're going against, but just looking through the standings. Yes. You are on a six game losing streak. The last five games are all two East teams that are in contention with you for the playoffs. So it's not, obviously it's not ideal, right? But at the end of the day, you're still in ninth place after that losing streak. So at, at this point, you've kind of bottomed out to the point where you're only going to go upward. But you still do have Atlanta underneath of you in the 10th spot. They're getting better, even though they haven't really been playing great. They still look better. Uh, but Washington seems to be selling off. New York didn't do anything at the trade deadline. And we know what you know the Pacers and the Magic in Detroit are. So realistically, I think you're a play-in team no matter no matter what happens the rest of the way so at that point is that a successful season just being a play-in team or do you need to actually win a game or two and get into the playoffs to have a successful season in your eyes yeah I, I think a successful season would be the Hornets getting into the playoffs the hard part about it is um you know the teams in the east right now um it's just they're, they're, they're crazy stacked. I think looking at the season, um, I mean, before the season, you know, you were looking at uh, some of the teams that you just kind of mentioned that, that are towards the bottom, Atlanta, New York, Washington, possibly being viable, even Indiana. But, you know, it's been the unexpected surge of Cleveland, um, Toronto, and to a certain extent, even Boston. Uh, that's that's kind of, you know, been the, been the surprise. But, yeah, the Hornets, you know, I, I think I think it I think it depends, honestly. But for me personally, you know, I like to see them make the playoffs. They they um they have uh, a lot of talent, they just have to lock in uh defensively and you know it sucks to lose lose Hayward, but right. I do feel like they built a team this year that was more equipped to uh withstand withstand that and I, I think bringing in Kelly Oubre um and making a trade that doesn't take PJ Washington off of the team but keeps him there that's that's two guys on the wing where you know for a little for a, hopefully a little while you can withstand Hayward's injury and and you know you just have to see the other guys that are core to the team Lamelo Miles Bridges and Terry Rozier uh, step up so it's not going to be easy but you know for me it, it, I I think the the next step for this team is to uh, to make make the playoffs, and that's that's what it would that I, that's what I would consider a success. 
Yeah, I think you're in the same spot one year behind of where the Grizzlies were because they got into the play-in game, made some noise. If they would have lost the, you know, in the play-in, um, obviously we would have been super bummed, but they didn't. They won and they got in. I think the Hornets are in the same position because looking at their contracts, you have majority of everyone returning. Like there's not many open spots that you're that you're not having where they're actually returning players. And so I think you've built a team that's that's here for next year. Okay, so you're pretty much getting the same the same team. That's also a little scary because of who you are right now. So you hope that people develop, stay injury free. Gordon Hayward, for example. Uh, and if you can do that, I feel like you're still in the same you know spot. It's just like, hey, when do we can either consolidate or figure out a key pieces to trade? So I think you are in the same spot the Grizzlies were in last year. The Grizzlies still in this point should not be as good as they are, but they are. They're they're good. They're they're playing really well right now. And so I, I'm I'm excited about what the the Hornets do. I, I really do think that they are the third exciting team really in the uh, in the NBA. And that's really behind, you know, uh, the young, I'm sorry, young, exciting team behind uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers, Memphis Grizzlies, and then now the Hornets, because those three teams are doing it through the draft for the most part, but also they have gotten some key pieces to really build and look good. But, uh, but I, before we talk into the, the Grizzlies and the Hornets matchup, I want to ask you the, the barbershop question. What's super cool about your show? What do people need to check out and who have you already had? Yeah, that's a great question. So. I won't get into a long uh, life story, but I'll just say this. The Barbershop Podcast um, in the last couple of years has changed. And um, now what it, what it is, is um, a show that where I'm encompassing two different things. And I'll mention um, how like Spotify, Green Room and, and Multiplicity Media, which was mentioned earlier today into this. On the multiplicity media side, um, I'm, uh, it's a group where we um, we were covering, you know, we're covering all the sports you love: college football, NFL, basketball, um, WNBA, uh, college basketball, all that, all that good stuff. Um, and my responsibility, um, or, or not my responsibility, but more uh, of what I cover and what I love is, is football. It's 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 my heart. So um, during the college football season, I do a a weekly, I record a weekly podcast. You can actually listen live to that every uh, week on Max Weezy in the morning. If you if you uh, come through on Spotify Green Room, I talk. I um, have a great guest and and we talk about college football th- through the season. But um, that that goes that is uh, one aspect of the Barbershop Podcast is college football weekly. It's great discussions, uh, great stuff, and and you get to be a part of the show if you if you listen live on Spotify Green Room. Um, the other half of the stuff that you'll find uh, if you check out the Barbershop podcast is Fireside Chats. Fireside Chats is a collaboration with Spotify Green Room. As a contributor, um, you know, they asked me to, to talk about, you know, a lot of different things, but many of the things I love, sports, music, entertainment, and things of that nature. But um, in Fireside Chats, we do, I, I do one-on-one interviews with people that encompass all those uh, those industries. So, um, a couple of really cool ones that I've done lately on fire interviews that I've done lately on fireside chats. Uh, I just had Vernon Maxwell, uh, two-time NBA champ with the Houston Rockets, uh, talk to him, uh, one-on-one, uh, he got a chance to tell me about how he's excited about these young Rockets. Speaking of young, exciting teams, 
uh, Jalen Green, Josh Christopher, Alperin Shangun, um, that young core that they have. He told me about how he wants to work out with Green and Christopher over the summer um, and, you know, kind of help, help them along uh, with their development. He talked a lot about um, today, just today's NBA, what he loves about it. He was, he couldn't have been more complimentary to John Morant and, and uh, Darius Garland and LaMelo and train all these young guards. And he also uh, talked a lot about uh, why he hates Utah and, you know, some <laughs> of the stuff that, that he's been kind of known for uh, lately as, as, as Vernon Maxwell on Twitter. So we had a great discussion. Go check that out on, on the barbershop. And then uh, one more I'll, I'll mention, uh, spoke to uh, Orlando Scandrick, TJ Hushmanzada, and Lauren Susselman, and Darnell Smith. Uh, they have their own podcast called About the Game. Really authentic, really raw, um, you know, talking, you know, you know, X's and O's, but also, you know, some of the things that, that uh, the, the fan doesn't normally get to, uh, doesn't normally hear on, you know, your typical, you know, sports show because they are athletes. They know what it's like and they're, they're very authentic. So I had them on. We had a great discussion leading up to the AFC and NBC championship. Um, so, yeah, go check that out. Lots of you'll find lots, lots of great interviews with cool people in music, sports um, and entertainment. And then, you know, um, content from most multiplicity media, uh, all football related. But, yeah, thanks for Daniel. Thanks for letting me um, plug that. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. No. Yeah. So uh, the first one I heard, and I don't think this was your first one, but the first one I heard was the, the one with TJ Husmanzada and Orlando Skandrick. Uh, as, well, as well as Lauren Susselman, but it was a uh, it was a show that made me think of Barbershop, and, yeah. and mainly <laughs> it was probably because of Orlando Scandrick, mainly uh, yeah. because he was a little off the chain at times. But uh, that's that's how I grew up. Um, I I kind of grew up around that, so I I relate as well. Um, even though some might not think I relate, I do relate to the Barbershop, I, the the whole around the water cooler in, in a sense, if you want to spin it in a different direction. Uh, but it's a it's a cool it's a cool thing you're doing. But also, uh, it's really cool that you're with the the Spotify Green Room and you're being allowed to show your personality. But you're also a guy who really does control the mic and a lot of good you know people that are you know discussing, such as when we're in the green room, uh, people can get a little crazy. And you're very good at monitoring. We'll say you're, you're the hall monitor of that. <laughs> uh, but it's always good. But uh, but go check it out. Go check out um, his podcast as well as uh, hit up Spotify Green Room in the morning with Max Weezy in the morning. But also follow him on uh, Instagram and Twitter at yeah. MXWZY, which is kind of like Max Weezy, right? It's MXWZY. Yeah. Uh, and is the uh, the Twitter on Barbershop still open? Good? Yeah, it's okay. good. So, yeah, it's so, yeah, my, my Twitter handle is, is basically Max Weezy without the vowels. Um, and then the Twitter for for the barbershop is is um, barbershop is at barbershop nine one nine nine one nine being the Raleigh Durham Chapel area code it used to be that's where the barbershop started so yeah check check it out and uh, yeah thanks yeah for sure I, I appreciate it we'll go show some love we're gonna uh, pretty much talk about the matchup the Grizzlies not much yeah. more but I want to talk about you know pretty much these two teams and how well they match up. Uh, because I think this is a game that a lot of people that aren't exactly Grizzlies fans, that aren't exactly Hornets fans, will come to watch. I was there in person at the last one. Kelly Oubre absolutely just stuck it right up our, yep. Um, but it was a 118 to 108 Memphis loss. 
Uh, and it was a, it, it was a, one of the first, it was, I think it was the 12th or 13th game in a season. And Kelly Oubre just absolutely just unloaded the clip and just was going off the entire time. But I look at these two teams now and I see so much difference because they're not the teams they were then. One, I think Charlotte was kind of looking to find how they fit, who was starting, who was not. Uh, and outside of the Kelly Oubre, you still had Gordon Hayward who went off for, I think it was 25 points. But then you look at the Grizzlies, they didn't play any defense, and now they're based on defense. They lead the league in one, you know, one of the top uh, contenders for defensive teams. John Morant's kind of taken to another level. So, so what's different for you uh, now that we come to this matchup that was back in the first part of November? Now we're back into the middle of February. What's different? What's different is the Grizzlies are playing like a team that knows exactly who they are, <laughs> like – and that that's amazing. Like the, everyone knows their role. Um, you know, they're playing, they play really hard. They're not really afraid of anything. They, they had sort of embodied, I think, grit and grind in, in a, in a very, um, in a, in a very great way. And that's all sort of been championed by John Morant, but also you're seeing, um, you know, Jaron Jackson Jr. Get it, get into his stride. Desmond Bain, just the whole, um, the whole team really, really come together. Uh, for the Hornets, I'll, I'll say the Hornets, I think um, they've lost their way a little bit. Um, but I'm interested to see how they approach the, the Grizzlies matchup for two reasons. One, because they've lost a lot of these games, but they've a lot, but a lot of these games have been at home. So I think, you know, the home crowd in Charlotte, is very excited about this team and the team takes pride in that. So, you know, you come off of Detroit must win. I totally agree with you. I, I don't think it's a stretch for you or I to say that we think they're going to win that game. Right. But how do you come off a game like that yeah. and come at and, and, and play a game at home the next night and, you know, be locked in and, and focused and ready to, to play a, a team in Memphis. So the approach will, will be interesting to see, but yeah, I mean, the difference is the Grizzlies know who they are. They're playing to their strengths. They're playing together. Uh, they're playing great defense. I'm just, you know, looking at you guys are, are top, top, top seven in offensive rating, defensive rating, top five net rating. Uh, you know, just a really, really, really strong team. And you know, the Hornets have a long way to way to go in terms of you know figuring themselves out. And I, I think to some extent with Gordon Hayward out. Uh, I'll be looking for LaMelo to, to see if he, he takes more of the controls offensively um, and steps up at, at points if, if uh, Oubre is not able to make shots or Terry Rozier is cold or, you know, Miles Bridges is struggling. Like, you know, you he has to sort of for this next stretch, you know, for the rest of the season, be the, really be the maestro of the team. So I think that's going to be a big, big part of his development and something to look look at for the rest of the year. Yeah, for sure. And uh, looking at these two teams and how they match up, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be a track meet, right? Because I know that you know Charlotte likes to get up and down. Uh, they like to get fast break points as well as the Grizzlies do. And so I think it will be a game that will be decided uh, either in you know fast break points and you know who's actually uh, kind of pushing their will on the other team, but also in the shooting. Uh, if Charlotte shoots well <laughs> at the end, who cares what else happens? Because that's really where, you know, if they're shooting well, this game could get out of hand. 
but it is a weird game, weird matchup for the simple fact that the Grizzlies just played the Pistons. Okay, now the Hornets play the Pistons, so they catch them on a back-to-back. The Grizzlies turn around, have a day break, and now they catch the the Hornets on a back-to-back. And so it's it's a weird you know mixture between those three teams. But I also think that tonight is a is a good game for the the Hornets to get because they need this win because they cannot go seven game you know losing streak. You're going into Memphis, who's red hot, right? They're, they're one of the better teams, and they're playing better, uh, even though they I wouldn't consider them one of the best teams in the you know in the you know I guess the NBA. Some would, whatever, but they're still not you know the team that's just you know you're going to walk in and just lose. So um, I think it's very exciting and very telling. Uh, but what's a matchup maybe that you're looking at that either excites you or could be a deciding matchup that could really uh, put its fingerprints all over this game? Yeah, it's a great question. Something you kind of brought up earlier um, was, um, well, <laughs> the matchup, I, I, I think, so the reason why, it, basically, Jaron Jackson Jr., <laughs> like, the and I don't know what the matchup will be like because because of this Herald trade, um, yeah. I'm, I'm curious to see, like, what the Hornets do in terms of the rotation. So I don't know. I can't say, like, JJJ versus who right now, but yeah. but I I will be paying close attention to how how the Hornets um, you know defend Jaron Jackson Jr. because I I think if he's allowed to just uh, you know if if they you know can't stop him I think it's going to be a long night because if you're just able to you know feed Jaron Jackson Jr. In, in the paint um, that opens up and you know that opens up things things for um, Desmond Bain and Jaw. Um, to do what, what what they want, you know, and play and play through Jaron Jackson and play through JJJ. Um, like I said, I, I don't know how they're going to approach that yet. I'll have to see like what some of what they do tonight in terms of the lineups. But that that's going to be like the one thing I'm looking for. If they if they don't, you know, stop him, it's going to be a long night. Or if they're not able to hold him and check it's gonna be a long night, I should say because I don't know if they can stop him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jaron, um, it, it's something to check out. If, if you're if you're a Grizzlies fan, uh, check out really the body transformation of Jaron Jackson Jr. since his rookie year. Um, I have a, a a picture we put up in one of the um, I, whatever it was designs, whatever whatever the my creative juices were flowing one day, and I made it with an app. Okay, I used one of his college senior uh, college uh, freshman year pictures, and you honestly can't tell them apart. The and and really his body has kind of been transformed, but also his game. Uh, I think that's a really good matchup. Um, I, I think there's other matchups you can look at, but I think they kind of equal themselves out because I think LaMelo will get his, I think Ja will get his, but two play- people I'm looking at, it's not really for the benefit of really the Hornets. I don't think that would benefit them at all, except for the fact as if they can keep Steven Adams off the offensive boards, that's really important. And I know that Mason Plumlee can be a very good rebounder. I know he's not a great scorer. So I think that they equal themselves out on uh, on the offensive end for the Hornets, right? Because Mason's not really going to score too much except for maybe getting some putbacks and some offensive rebounds. Uh, but I don't think he does it at such a high level that Steven Adams does. So where do you do you expect at all that Mason Plumlee can hold his own? Has he has he against other players, or is this something that he might be a big struggle for him? Yeah, and again, not to repeat the same thing, but that's <laughs> why I'm like I am very very curious to see like what they do with the with the rotation 
now that Harold is there, not to say that that you know um, Montrez is some great rim protector or you know yeah. he, he's a good offensive rebounder. I don't I don't know. He, I mean, obviously Adams has some has some size on him, so you know we'll see how that how that works. But if if they say all right, cool, like Harold, I mean, it's tonight's the first game. I don't I don't I wouldn't ex- I I know that uh, it was reported that he'll play. Okay. Uh, you know, pa- uh, granted, he passed his physicals, which should be which should be fine. And we'll find out, I guess, in a bit if he's going to play. But, um, you know, if the decision is, hey, we're going to start Harold and bring um, uh, Plumlee off the bench, or wow. vice versa, like that's that's going to be where. All right, um, you, you like I, I think that's what what I'm looking for as, as you know to see what happens over the next couple of days. However, let's just say Plumlee is out there. He's starting. He's got to go up against Stephen Adams. I <laughs> like my my biggest thing is is that Stephen Stephen Adams uh, plays with so much aggressive aggression and plays really hard. I think what Mason's going to have to do is try his best to stay out of foul trouble. Right. Um, and I don't know <laughs> if he can do that <laughs> against a player like Stephen Adams. I, I'm just being honest. Like yeah. he's done well over the last few games. Um, done a, done a, a better job um, than, than he was doing before, just staying staying out of foul trouble. But you know, Stephen Adams, you, you know, you watch him, you watch him play every night. Like he can, he can, he can get, he can catch guys. So yeah. that's going to be my biggest thing is Mason. Just you know, whatever you do, like you know, hold your own. But if, if he doesn't, you know, if he if he gets a lot of fouls, then it's going to be an issue. Yeah, that, that's a big thing. And I was looking at his foul uh, issues throughout the entire, you know, I guess, the, the game logs. And he's kind of hot or cold in that, right? So who knows uh, where he stands. But I think it is very important to look at the fouls because uh, you have to make sure you're boxing out. But you also have to look around because there's a there's a guy. He's not little. OK, he's he's six three, but he's still a little guy for an NBA player that he could possibly dunk on your head. So you have to like look for both sides and where's jaw. Okay. He's somewhere in the lane. Okay. Somebody look out for him because he's either going to jump and dunk on our head or he's going to pass off for a lob. So it's like, all right, we got to find him, but also this, this woolly mammoth of a guy who's trying to push me out. He's also here right here. So it's very tough and they're a very good, uh, a combo and a very good duo. Uh, how do you think the game goes? <sighs> That's a great question. I, I think in this in this game, I'm like looking more at um, approach rather than result. Like in my in my like honest opinion, I think the Grizzlies win the game. But like if if I watch if I'm watching the game and I'm like, all right, cool. Like it's you know it's a close game the whole time. The final score is within you know six or six five or six. You know, I, I think that's that's. I'll take that as a positive. Okay. Granted, we we beat Detroit, right? <laughs> like, right, right, right. Beat Detroit, play a close game against a really hot Memphis team. Um, Memphis, like you said, are, are on a little streak. Um, you know, they they hold they've held their own against teams that they should be beating, right? Like it's right. it's been you know Washington, New York, Orlando. I'm just looking at the game logs. Uh, Clippers, Detroit, like. Beat teams you should be beating. They they're doing a great job at that. Uh, looking at their records and and the team, uh, the Hornets are a team that the Grizzlies should beat. So I think that'll happen. But you know, for me, like I said, if if they can keep it close 
if they're if they're playing hard, they're playing better defense. Um, that's that's you know for me, I take that to the bank, and um, you know you you hope you they build off of it for for the next time. But I think they're going to play. The Hornets are going to play inspired. Um, it, you know, this being another home game where they they haven't won at home in a while, so I, I feel confident that they're gonna they're gonna you know really bring their A game. But um, you know, it, it all starts tonight in Detroit, and, and if they take care of business, I think they're going to give the Grizzlies a good game. Yeah, I think the game will be closer than maybe some people expect it to be because I do think that this these teams can stay in the game no matter if they're taking punches. Just because that first game they had. I really do think that Charlotte was throwing haymakers and the Grizzlies were somehow responding and they had no way and no right to be in the game, especially uh, just losing by 10. So that was a 25 point loss easily for the Grizzlies. And somehow they just weaseled their way into keeping it within 10. So uh, it is, it's going to be very close. um, And I think it'll be exciting. I do think the Grizzlies do come out with a win, but, but who really knows, but I do have one last question, Super Bowl Sunday, who's winning. I've got the Rams, um, and, I, and I'm actually really excited. I think that game will be close too, but um, I, I've heard some very compelling arguments as to why it could be um, a blowout. <laughs> and man, that's mainly because you know Cincinnati's offensive line right. um, is, is bad, <laughs> and you know the Rams have Aaron Donald, and, and <laughs> <laughs> you know, but. The thing about it is, and, and um, I'll I'll quickly plug we we did a we did picks um, on multiplicitymedia.com um, or multiplicity.media is the site, but we did picks myself, Greg Waddell, Alexa uh, Western, Xavier Santos. They're all great, great, uh, great minds. Um, but I talked about the fact that the Bengals, despite a bad offensive line, despite you know, giving up nine sacks, you know, against the Titans, despite um, a secondary that uh, some would say um, is one of the worst out of the playoff teams. Um, they've continued to to battle through that, and they've continued and they've you know gotten here. Obviously, Joe Burrow's a big part of that, but you know, despite all the all the negative aspects and reasons why they shouldn't be here. They're here. So for me, I grapple with that and I say, you know, it's hard to necessarily bet against them at all, which is why I do have the game close. But I think the Rams, with all their experience, um, you know, a hungry Matthew Stafford, Sean McVay, Jalen Ramsey, Odell Beckham Jr., all, all the veterans on that team, it's in your backyard. You don't have to do all the traveling and everything like that. You're comfortable in your home stadium. And, um, you know, again, the, the the in terms of team pieces, the Rams just have advantages all over the field. I, I think it's going to be a Rams win. Um, it'll be good for Matthew Stafford's legacy in his career. And uh, but I, I but I think the Bengals keep it close. Yeah, I'm on the same page, and I know that's boring, but I do think that the Rams. Uh, I think they win, and I do think that it is a closer game than some expect. Uh, I wouldn't doubt if it's within a field goal, and there's a last drive of the game coming down. Um, and I, I, in all honesty, I don't care who wins. I want that to happen. I just want there to be some excitement in the very end. I don't want what happened last year because even though if you're an, if you're an NFL better, Super Bowl better, I, um, I, I did well. <laughs> and so <laughs> I want to do that again, but I also want it to be an exciting game. 
and so Maxwell can't thank you enough for coming on. It's been a, it's been a blast. Uh, I love hearing about other teams and so do our fans because we get to hear about how you feel about your team. Cause everybody feels about their team the same way. They love their team for the most part, right? Um, everybody loves their team. And we love hearing why you love your team because here in Memphis, we, we love basketball. We're the hoop city. And so we enjoy hearing all good kind of basketball, but anything else you have to plug or shout out before you get out of here? No, Daniel, I, I appreciate the invitation. It was, it was great. Love chatting with you um, all the time. Uh, hope you and your family are doing well. And uh, you know, I, I, it's fun. It's fun to see small market teams have success with, with young players. So, you know, you and I are, are, are in the same boat uh, in, in terms of the NBA world. And, and you know, I was excited to see the, to the growth and, you know, always happy to, to come and hear and talk, talk uh, Charlotte, Charlotte and Memphis. And, um, you know, wish you the most success for the rest of the season. For sure. Well, that's all we have this week. Everybody have a good time. The only thing that me and Maxwell will ever disagree on is March the 5th this year, Duke in North Carolina. We got to have the Dukies win again. That's the last UNC Duke game with Coach K, right? Uh, yeah, that's the very last wow. one. Well, well, pending the ACC tournament. We'll see. <laughs> true, true. But, yeah. But that's, yeah, but it's a good time. But yeah, so Maxwell is a UNC fan like you talked about earlier. And I'm a Duke guy, so... Uh, that'll be one time we're going to be definitely on the other side of each other. But that's all we have. Everybody have a great week, great weekend. Be nice and tell your friends.